Amen, amen, amen. Well, Brother Goff, we want you to come tonight. I want you just to obey the Holy Ghost, take your liberty. We love the Goff family, so thankful that they're a part of this church, thankful for the burden that they carry. Amen. Praise God. And uh, uh, all of the work that they do to make sure that everything runs smoothly. And I appreciate it so very, very much. Amen. I want you to come, take your liberty, preach to me tonight. Praise God. God bless you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. So good to be in God's house today. Amen. I don't want to leave God's house today. After all that we felt this morning, that we feel in this service tonight, it's one of those places you walk into and it just feels like home. But don't get settled in too much because God's got great things in store for us. Amen. And God's got a plan for calling his children home and I want to be a part of that number. I want to, I want to hear my name called. I want God to reach down and call my number. I want to be a part of that bride that gets called away and reaches my hands to the heavens. And I want God to reach down and change this whole body. Let me get rid of all those problems that's been a part of my life and give me the opportunity to worship him throughout all of eternity. Amen. I so appreciate what God is doing in this service tonight. And uh, you may wonder why we sing songs like we have a house full of sinners. It's the same reason why you may ask why does a preacher preach like the house is full of sinners because God has a plan. And I don't want to get accustomed thinking, oh, I'm just going to preach to some saints tonight, some old hats. They've heard it all. I'll just tell them a few things, make them feel good. But I believe God has a word tonight. Amen. It was a wonderful word that Bishop preached this morning. And it was awesome to be able to be in this service this morning. I can only equate it to this. You know, you drive down the city streets and you'll see the big old large street sweeper going through there cleaning the street. And you see everything behind it all nice and clean afterwards. And that was this morning. Now, if you look back about 50 yards, you'll see a city worker with a broom and a little bucket. That's me tonight. Just cleaning up the remnants, piece of sand here, cigarette butt laying here. That's me. Guilty as charged. Amen. Pastor done an amazing job this morning preaching the word, and God done a mighty work. And I'll be the first to testify God has touched my body. This morning, my voice was just a whisper. Amen. And I'm so glad for what God did. Amen. I believe God is going to do so much more. Amen. Amen. Well, I do feel a song, not normally this kind, but uh, you can be seated. I do feel a song. As you know, I'm not a singer, but God gave me a voice back tonight, so I'm going to sing a song. It's an old song. Most of you probably never even heard of it, but the words go like this. It says, he's the oak and I'm the ivy. He's the potter. I'm the clay. He's the oil and I'm the vessel. I'm the traveler. He's the way. I'm the flower and he's the fragrance. I'm the lamp. And he's the flame. I'm the words, but he's the music. I'm in the bride that takes his name. It's an old song. Bear with us as we sing it tonight. I may need some help from the praise team tonight. Amen. Amen. 
here to tell you, you can't do this on your own. As the song says, you are nothing without him. You may think, oh, I see a little bit of light. It's not you. It's him. The only reason you glow in this lost and dying world is because of him and his touch, his hand. That's the only thing that makes our life appealing is him. Amen, amen. Can we stand for the reading of the word of God? Amen. I feel a word that God has laid on my heart and so blessed by the rich word this morning. Amen. And thank you, Bishop, for the opportunity to be able to serve the congregation tonight and be able to deliver the word that God has laid on my heart. And I appreciate this opportunity. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 3, we're reading verse 12 through 14. God laid this verse of scripture on my heart this morning before service and uh, it laid a lot of notes on my mind and began to write things as God was giving me all throughout the week and even before, honestly. And then God dropped this verse of scripture in my mind and uh, 
We'll just read it through tonight. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. In verse 14, I want to emphasize, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Amen. Can we lay our Bibles down and ask God to touch us today? Heavenly Father, I worship you. We love you, Jesus. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Amen. I've asked Sister Golf just to continue to play because I don't plan on being up here long. And uh, I just have a word that God has laid on my heart. Something else that's on my mind as well. Yesterday, on Saturday, was my 25th Holy Ghost birthday. And God just gets sweeter. It gets better every day. And he's been faithful to me. He has proven to me that only he knows how to do things right. And I've learned that the hard way. If I was to let you feel the back of my head, there would be a bunch of knots there because God has had to correct me many, many times. And he's had to tell me which way is right and let the man of God come to this sacred desk and deliver the word of God. Amen. And I'm so thankful for it, because I know that if I did not have the Word of God preached to me, I would be lost, and I'd be just like every one of my family that sat in an apostolic church and walked out and go in sin. I'd be doing the same thing. It doesn't matter where you came from. God still has a plan for your life. Amen. And so I want to publicly thank God for keeping me 25 years. Never would have thought it happened. I'll be honest with you, I was one of those that we've heard Bishop Davis talk about, those that were seeking the Lord for a long time. And I sought after God for the Holy Ghost as a very young man. I remember being just you know, eight or nine years old, maybe even a little bit younger, seeking after God. But it took until I reached the, my teenage years that God began to do a work in my life. And I remember the day. We were going to have a revival. And I remember the day. Because I woke up because God had given me a dream. And showed me exactly where I was standing. And I was speaking in tongues in my dream. I got up on that Wednesday morning. And I said, I'm going to get the Holy Ghost today. Today. Today is that day. There's power in making a proclamation. It sets this at the same place as this. The heart and mind get in sync, and it lets the devil know nothing is going to stop me from getting what I want from God. And I remember that day vividly sitting there, and I remember going to church and just the power of God. And I did not realize what was going to happen. I did not, the dream 
honestly was not the forefront of my mind. I just made up my mind going to church. I didn't think about where I went up to stand when it came time for altar call. I didn't think about anything about the dream. But afterwards, when it all transpired, I realized, you know what? God babe roofed it. He called it. He says, tonight's the night. And you're going to stand right there, and you're going to do just this in this place. And I'm thanking God that he gave me a good portion because knowing me, I needed a good dose of it. They had to carry me out of the house of God, still speaking in tongues, got me to the house, carried me in the house. Remember my brother carrying me in the house here. I was 16 years old, a little bit taller than Kaiser at the time, and my brother's carrying me in like a gumby, limp gumby, hanging in his arms, dragging my feet into the house, laying me on the couch. I remember coming to still speaking in tongues, and they had to drag me into the house. I thank God he did it that way. There was no doubt in my mind of what I've got. There is no doubt. I got the real deal. And it done a number in my life, and I thank God for it. Amen, amen. In Proverbs chapter 1, there's a verse of Scripture I'd like to read. Proverbs chapter 1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. This is important because of several verses of Scripture we'll read following this. But it says in verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, dropping down to verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And verse 8 says, my son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. We see in verse 1, Solomon is credited as being the author of these specific proverbs. And God blessed Solomon with an understanding that no king before or since has had and ever possessed in his life. We see in verse 9, we talk about the knowledge. And it talks about that actually in verse 7. It talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And it talks about getting that instruction from your father and your mother. The instruction of the authority of God in your life shall be an ornament of grace on your head and chains about your neck. And what he's saying is that God, in one sense of application tonight, can give unto you the knowledge that will keep you from falling prey in areas that only God's grace can make a way of escape. One commentator says it this way. He says, Solomon was granted wisdom and knowledge based on his request to God. Yet the destruction of Solomon was because he did not take his own advice. And the lesson to be learned is that wisdom is pointless unless it's put into practice. And tonight I want to preach just briefly what God has laid on my heart. The title of tonight's message is Faith Restored is a Future Defined. Amen. Faith Restored is a Future Defined. We find that life is a journey. And that will define our life. We are all on a journey, each and every one of us. As long as we come in contact with each other, come into church, we may reach out to each other outside of the church setting, but we are all on a journey here in life. And every step that you take, every step is compiling the mosaic of our respective lives. And it's through this process that we begin to start to see the picture of life come together as we journey through life. And I look back almost 42 years of my life looking back over what God has done and 
in reflection of God filling me with the Holy Ghost 25 years ago, and I began to reflect and think about what God has done for me. And I look at the picture, and I see where there's some things I want to scrub out of this old boy's memory, and there's some things I wish I could redo. But we all begin life with a blank canvas, and the only colors we have to use is the spectrum of sin. And the, and the picture of what we call life is not as what some would think. It's not a vertical progression. It's not, if I could say it this way, like it's being printed out of a printer. It's not like you hit the print button of your life and you see it just as it begins, the picture comes into view. But if I could apply the application of it this way, it's comprised of decisions, mistakes, experiments, things you decided to do that have layered themselves on top of one another. Deep within our life, we find that the very root of it is sin. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Psalms 51 and verse 5, behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. You see, in sin, we all have the same colors available to us. My heart was black as sin. It was filthy and possessed nothing to be proud of. I'm still not proud of my past, but I can rejoice in my Savior and what he has done for me. He changed me and gave me a new song to sing. The color palette that I now have to choose from, woven through every color available to me, is a crimson stream of blood. And it bleeds through all that I do for the kingdom. Everything that I put my hand towards in the kingdom, it has the crimson stream of blood available to it. And the picture begins to come into focus. It begins to get definition. You see, a painting is comprised of multiple layers of progression. A technique of an artist is to sketch the rough draft of the overall objective. And then the artist will use multiple tools available to them that they will begin to start to draft out their masterpiece as they begin to blend colors. At the very root of it, there's a sketch. But as someone who consumes the artist and the, 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 the portrait or whatever it may be, we don't ever see the sketch. All we see is what the masterpiece and the craftsman turns over and says, now this is what I'm finished with. I'm proud of this. But deep below every one of those layers is mess-ups, mistakes, erasing, changing colors, shifting the focus, putting it all in different perspective. It didn't turn out the right way. That's what life is. Stop trying to think of every time you see something etched down in life that it's permanent, that you have to go and start over again. You need the blood of Jesus Christ to come in and apply to the portrait that you're so disappointed in and let God put his perspective on it and change it for his glory. In, in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 21 it says, my son, let, them, let not them depart from thine eyes. Talking about the importance of wisdom. And keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Talking about wisdom. Then, they shalt, then shalt thou walk in thy way safely. And thy foot shall not stumble when thou liest down. Thou shalt not be afraid, yea, 
thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Do not be, do not, be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. I find it interesting that when Solomon writes about knowledge, it's only given the status of honor. In chapter 1, he's talking about comparison, of taking the instruction from your mother and your father. But when he speaks about wisdom, he makes a similar comparison. But yet he states, so shall thy life be unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. He's letting them know that wisdom is a source of life. When you can grow and mature, when knowledge, head knowledge will only get you so far, but when wisdom is applied to your life, the journey begins to have meaning and purpose, and then you stand at crossroads and you use wisdom to make those decisions instead of just looking there saying, I think, I feel. But when God can step into your life and apply his wisdom to your life and you say, I know without a shadow of a doubt, this is the way I need to go in my life. That's when wisdom becomes life. Too many of us today are sitting here stuck on go on knowledge. And wisdom is lacking in your life. God's trying to show somebody, listen, you can have meaning and purpose if you just let God give you wisdom. That's why you're wrestling with laying your head down at night. That's why you're wrestling with the things of sudden fear. That's why you have no confidence. You're relying strictly on knowledge. Let God's wisdom step in your life. Let it change you and make you new again. And as you experience growth and you have leaned on the knowledge of God, you sit there and say, okay, now this is good. There's a transference of wisdom in your life. And then you step back and say, oh, wisdom, what a treasure. What a precious treasure you are. Knowledge was given to you that you can hang around your neck and it's matured into something that is more than just a mere observation, but it's a strength to you. It'll keep you from falling. It'll be a comfort to you. It gives you the confidence that you desire. And then you can go to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. It's not about what you have and what you can comprehend, but it's the wisdom of God that can step in and say, hey, I've got a gift that I gave Solomon and he stumbled and fell because he didn't apply it right. We have the very same opportunity when God gives us the gift of the Holy Ghost. We can say, oh, that's good, but I continue doing the same things that I've always done but when wisdom steps into the picture it says in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths there are people that admire the statements that I'm about to make when others make them and they'll say things like I've never smoked a cigarette I've never drank alcohol I've been faithful in my marriage I've always paid my tithes as I should I've lived for God faithfully from the day I walked into church. Powerful statements. But as you listen to others make these statements, and when you think over your own life and all you feel is shame or guilt or remorse, it's nothing but the devil trying to convince you what you have is not real. And you're sitting there focusing on things that God's tried to put under the blood, but you're dragging out with all your strength saying, I'll never be. But God says, if you'll just trust in me. 
Oh, because you cannot make those same, same statements about your life. He still kept you from each and every one of those things. And so much more. Only eternity knows the value. Trusting in the Lord with all your heart does not leave any room for trust in anyone else. When you trust in Him, He's the only one you lean on. He's the only one you can trust in. He's the only one that you know can do anything about your situation. I'll make a statement. I want you to hear me out and apply this in the context by which I mean. And don't take this out of context and try to twist it that I don't believe in standards. But it says I am here to tell you that the standards is not how other people have lived. But what God has called you out of a world and what God wants you to live a life of victory, unwavering in faith in him. Stop trying to compare yourselves to one another. There is no heavenly benefit when I say, oh, Brother Hilton, if I could only have the same story as you. Different backgrounds, different walks of life, different ages, different situations we've been presented with. Only God knows what our lives should look like. Now, can you draw strength from your testimony? Absolutely. It was designed for that purpose, to encourage those around us. But there's power when you step in and say, you know what, there's something more for my life. And as I begin to study this out today and begin to read through the Scripture, begin to see the Word of God and begin to strike my heart and thinking of it the way we have and how I've um, presented it so far in Matthew 26 and verse 28, there's power in the blood. And we read it this way. It says, for this is my blood of the New Testament and of the New Testament, which is shed for many of the remission of sins. And to my comment a moment ago, we're saying, why are you preaching? Why would a preacher ever preach about something as if there's a house full of sinners. Because God is pulling on hearts. And if we can only be addicted to the high church, it's almost like we're just stuck on knowledge. But wisdom wants to step in and say, listen, prepare the sanctuary. Prepare the house of God. There's some growth. There's some maturity that needs to happen. I love high church. I love Sunday night service. I love it when God sweeps in and has a Holy Ghost shout down. I love that. But there's something I love even more. Seeing a sinner pray through at an altar. Seeing someone baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. Seeing it washed away and put under the blood of Jesus Christ. Never to be remembered again. Now that's a miracle I love to see. And I've seen them all through my life. And I'm not trying to discredit them. And I was a member as a young man. I remember seeing so many things Happen. I heard the stories being shared with me of first-hand accounts of miracles that happened in the church that I grew up in. And so many things that people would get up and testify. And I remember having my family, my grandparents, my parents, and aunts and uncles stand up and testify. And I remember when this happened. And just a miracle after miracle. And, and I'll be honest with you. I'm not trying to introduce anything contrary to what you believe. I'm just giving you a little bit of background. And I didn't go to a doctor until I was in my 20s. Never went to one. 
I was expelled from USD 204 in Edwardsville, Kansas, because I would not go get a vaccine. And they kicked me out of school. All my other classmates got sick. My dad had to go fight the school board and stand in front of them and tell them why we believe the way we do and how faith can change situations and how it can turn sicknesses around and protect those around it. But he built that upon something else that happened. My grandfather in Little Rock, Kansas, I'm sorry, Little Rock, Arkansas, went there and was working as a meat cutter in the city. And there was a bunch of men from the church out of Bishop A.O. Holmes' church, and they were in the same situation. And they were sitting there, and all these other men got sick. And they said, oh, no, you can't, you can't come to work. You're going to get sick. You don't, have, you don't have the vaccine. And they said, listen, we'll get the vaccine. Let me make sure I state this correctly. They did not go to work because they were held out. But they says, uh, God will keep us from getting sick. And if we get sick, then we'll get the vaccine. And their bosses said, okay, you can do that. And they sat there and they united themselves in prayer and they went to work and not one of them got sick, but everybody else around them got sick. So my father applied that same principle in the situation that I was facing. And I remember my parents coming, picking me up from school saying, son, you can't go to school. We've got to hold you out. I remember sitting at home talking to my parents about this situation. And I began to wonder, you know, what is going on? Why can I not go to school as a young man? And then my dad come home after having the meeting with the superintendent of the school district there. And, and they finally agreed to allow me to go back to school. I never got sick. Whenever I would get sick, it wasn't run to the cabinet. I, honestly, I only had one aspirin as a child growing up because I was out in California with an aunt, had a headache. And she said, uh, well, here's an aspirin. Here's a children's aspirin. So I chewed it up. Didn't really do much. How I was raised, you had a headache, you went to the bathroom, washed your face in the name of Jesus, God would take it away. And I had countless people testify and say, I thank God when I did this, it happened. And I seen those acts of faith. I seen crutches fly through the air, seen a man's leg look like it had a blood clot in it that was purple and so swollen he couldn't even pull his pant leg down. Watched the man come into church. We went and visited and prayed with him in his house and, and we walked into the church and he was sitting there one day and and he went over, and the man of God laid hands on him and prayed for him. Swelling went down. I seen the crutch get thrown through the air, and he walked out of church and didn't have any issues. I seen someone that had their tools stolen, and they couldn't get insurance to pay. And so they walked into church and says, we need a miracle. This is how I make my livelihood. My father, my father got up and says, give me one second. Went in there and grabbed his toolbox says, we're going to put my toolbox down as proxy, and we're going to pray over my toolbox. And that very same week, a check was in the mail for full, paid in full, for all their tools to be replaced. I've seen God do that. I watched with my very own eyes. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And I could go through story after story, but something was instilled in me as a young child. It wasn't, oh my, call the ambulance. But it was something, call grandma and grandpa and have them pray. We're going to have a prayer meeting tonight. Go in there and have prayer. And I don't know, Pastor, I just remember seeing this and I'll reference it. But I remember as a young child, young child, probably seven or eight years old, maybe a little bit younger, there would be some needs happening in the church and all of a sudden the Spirit of God would begin to start moving in the house. I remember the pastor walk up, grab a folding chair, go place it in the middle and say it's a mercy seat. 
you need something from God right now, I want you to come sit down in this seat. And God's going to touch you and He's going to take care of this. And time and time and time again, I've seen people go there and sit down and be laid, their hands laid on by the man of God. And miracles happen and signs and wonder. As a young child, it's put something deep within my heart. There's faith, what I'm trying to tell you, there's faith down deep in my heart. When it's restored, there's something I can look at and say like things this morning say, God can still do each and every one of those things. They're not things of the past, but they're things of the present. I just have to see with faith believing that God can do. I have to give him the opportunity that he can do. Now we can have faith in salvation. Because we can go and say, invite someone to church and tell them, if you can only get to the house of God and repent of your sins and be baptized in Jesus' name, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Now we can make those definitive statements. But just like Pastor was talking this morning, when it comes to our situation, it's sometimes hard to speak with confidence and make that definitive statement. But I'm here to tell you, when he restores faith, when you see the problem for what it really is, when you look at your life and you say, I'm not a mess up, it's not that I'm in shambles, but I'm a beauty in progress. God is trying to make something of me. I just have to let him paint the picture. There's things that other people have seen in Scripture that others did not. John. John seen it. He referenced it in John chapter 1. He says, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John saw something nobody else was seeing at the time. John was like, this is important. He may be a relative. He may be someone I'm familiar with. But when he's seen him in that situation, when he's seen him in that setting, I promise you John stepped back and said, Prophecy is coming to pass right before my very eyes. We can see our life and how the blood of Jesus takes a portrait of sin and washes it all away. Only Jesus knows what's under the blood. Only he knows what is the start of that sketch. Only he can wash away all those decisions, mistakes, experiments, bad judgment calls, it's only Him. And when Jesus gets involved in the picture, that mess that we once were has now been washed in the blood. And now the foundation of that portrait that's being painted, it's not of some disaster that we started out in life, starting out in sin, it's not marred by the black marks of sin and the things that haunted us before we became a part of the church. But the marks that began very first upon that clean slate that He gave us when we repented of our sins and were washed in His blood, it's the marks that were made upon His body. That's our foundation. That's the base of what we must become. I must sacrifice myself I must lay myself down. I must crucify myself just as he did. I must do the very same thing to myself. 
Now we can try to use our imagination and we can't really tell, we don't have pictures of what the body of Jesus Christ looked like. We know the verse of Scripture says that his visage, his face, was marred beyond recognition. He was brutally beat and tortured. And we can try to visualize those sayings. But I can tell you today, I know what his blood feels like. I know what his blood feels like. I know the power in the blood of Jesus Christ. You know how I can describe it. It's pure. It's clean. It's holy. It changed me from the inside out. The picture that I had painted and the decisions that I had made and the bad things in my life that I would allowed to control me had all been washed away and I felt something so pure and clean and holy washed over me when I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's the beauty of the blood. And if you can have faith in salvation, you can have faith in God's ability to do miracles in your life. It's as simple as that. You can't separate them just like the song we sang. He's the oak and I'm the ivy. It's a, it's, a, it's a pros and cons. We look at how great he is and how insufficient we are and all the things that I bring lacking. But when I put myself in his hands, the potter grabs the clay. And he begins to mold something. Quit getting so hung up of how you see yourself. But just let God mold you. Let God make you. Let him take that slate, that fresh canvas, and pour his blood over it. And begin to wash it with the blood of Calvary. And make it all clean and new again. God has designed this moment in time. For you to step into his glory and see it like you've never seen it before. It would be easy to say that everything around you is just circumstances. But my friend, that's not the case. You're in a trial for God to make you what he wants you to be. Your faith is being defined right now. Just as it was when I was a young child. Before I got the Holy Ghost, God began to instill in me the faith of a child. I remember the day that I went over to another saint's house and we were spending the night and all of a sudden I was doubled over in pain and began to get sick at my stomach and I was violently ill. I mean violently ill. I should have been in the hospital. Without a doubt, absolutely should have been in the hospital. Couldn't keep any fluids down. And everything was going wrong. And I was, I was hyperventilating and I couldn't recognize. My parents would come in and, and they would pray with me and I was still at their house and and they come to me and they said, all right, something's not right. So they got me and they borrowed somebody's vehicle that was there. And put me and loaded me, carried me to the car. Put me in there. My right side, I was so doubled over in agony. I couldn't even move. I remember my dad carrying me and laying me in that S10 blazer, that red S10 blazer, and laying the seat back so I could lay comfortably. Jumped in the car Started racing uh, east on I-70. We drove past that hospital. We drove past that hospital. And they rushed me to the pastor's house. Went in there and laid me on the bed. And they began to lay hands on me. And here's the thing. My grandfather that had taught me so many stories. Shared with me so many powerful moves of God. Told me, said, son, I remember the day 
that I had poisoning in my hand. We went into a Rush Arbor camp meeting. We sat there and unwrapped it as the man of God prayed for me and watched skin grow back and there was witnesses all around as my hand was laying on the pulpit. I heard all those stories. All the stories. I remember when he was paralyzed. Couldn't even move. Trusted God. God healed him. He didn't just heal him, but he gave him a dance, a worship. And from that moment on, he had a worship, a mighty worship. He'd go into the house of God, and he told me the story, and he said it over the pulpit many times, Bishop. He said, I brought a brand new pair of shoes, hickory sole dress shoes. Went to a camp meeting. He goes, I danced so much in the Holy Ghost that I wore a hole all the way through the first night of those pair of shoes. When God gives you something, it's not just, oh, I'll get you back to that place. But He takes you beyond. And He sets a future in motion that you cannot deny. All of those stories that He told me. You see, my grandfather passed away by the time I was sick. But it was still, get me to His house. Take me to the place where the glory flows. Take me to the place where I've seen countless things happen. Went in there and laid me on that bed. And many people come by and prayed for me and prayed for me. This was on Monday. Prayed for me and still no relief. I remember the day my parents walked in. I was wearing my father's pajamas. I was just as skinny as Kaiser. and I remember... I had them cinched so up, they were just knotted up my side, and I was just holding those pajamas up. And they would get me, and I'd go to the restroom and come back. I was just so doubled over in pain and couldn't hardly move. I laid back down, and my parents walked in and knelt down beside the bed and said, Son, we'll take you to the hospital if you want. I remember saying, No, just pray. Just pray. I just want you to get that bottle of oil and pray for me. And as a young man, never been baptized, didn't have the Holy Ghost, there was some faith. Just some faith deep down in my heart. I said, all right, I'm going to put every story to the test. I remember when my grandfather couldn't walk. I remember when this person was laying, my uncle was laying at the altar wrapped in a blanket, and they had to carry him in. I remember when they grabbed the bottle of oil, the man of God laid his hand on his forehead and he got up out of that white blanket as he was laying in front of the altar. Couldn't even move. I remember God raising him up. I said, I'm going to put every story to the test. God, if you can do it for them, you can do it for me. God designs moments in time to define our future. And it's times like this that he wants to restore the faith. Some of us have lost sight of. As Bishop talked about this morning, the blinders been placed upon your eyes. The devil knows that if he can keep you confused and keep you away from the access to the man of God and the oil that flows from the bottle and touches your body, he'll know that he can keep you binded by the things that's trying to destroy you. But God has a purpose. He has a plan. He wants to define your faith and define your future. But there's got to be some urgency. There has to be some urgency, saints. There has to be something inside of you that says, nothing else matters. And pastor said it this morning, I think he may have referenced it, 
at the end of service, God has done a work and touched you in your body. Don't lose sight of your faith for what God is doing. Claim it. Hold to it. Hold the banner of healing or whatever he's done for you. Hold it high. Walk with it. Put it in the devil's face every day. Let him know God is working for you. He's doing things on your side. If I could say it this way, so humorously stated, it's not original to me, but it says that you need to have the determination of that third monkey that's trying to get on the ark and it's starting to rain. Let that settle into your mind. You know, and we know we went in by sevens. They've used this as an old saying they've used. But you have to understand there has to be some urgency around you. You can't say, well, I wonder if it'll happen tonight. You have to say, no, pushing the plate back until it does. I'm not doing that until it does. I'm changing this about my life. I want this to be done in my life. I have to have some urgency. And just as that old saying talking about the third monkey trying to get on the ark, you know, if you read the scripture, it talks about the floodwaters came and then God closed the door. They still didn't believe what was going on, even though they watched the countless line of animals as the clean and the unclean begin to pour onto the ark. And they still sat there in unbelief. They didn't believe until the waters started to climb and it was a problem. Don't let your situation become a problem in your life. Let God address it where it's at its infancy, where he's just trying to change you and give you faith, let you be able to step in. You can't sit there, well, I'll wait till the evangelist comes, or I'll wait until the pastor comes and lays his hand on me, or I'll wait till I get to youth camp here in a couple of weeks, or I'll wait till I get to heritage next month. Then I will get everything right in my life. God wants to hear from his children today. You can read in Proverbs. I believe it was in the very, I'm sorry, in Hebrews, it talks about the writer uses the very exact phrase today, four times within a short amount of time. It's showing that there's an urgency. It's sitting there saying there's an emphasis on this day, this time. And you can wait for all those monumental things in your life. Oh, and how wonderful they are. And there's a camp meeting starting off yesterday. My brother's going to it. You can wait and go to those and say, well, I'm going to let God do this for me. But you can have the very same thing happen in this service today. Tuesday night's Bible study, Sunday morning's message. God can reach down and no matter what the situation may be, Thursday night family prayer, God can reach down and touch you and do a miracle in your life. He can restore the faith. He can help define your future. In closing... You can set your sights on things that other people do. Or you can set your focus on things that you can do. Like pouring your heart out in repentance. Submitting yourself to God and pastor. The quick and easy is the weak and the quickly fading. You can set yourself up and say, God, I'm going to change something. I'm going to do something different. I don't need a revival to come in and we don't need to put something on the sign and we don't have to have social media blasted with this preacher's coming. I'm going to have a prayer revival in my heart. I'm going to let a revival begin in my heart through prayer. 
I'm going to change me and mold me and make me. In our text, in closing, if we could stand today, in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 14, it says, For we are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Our walk with God has to have all parts in balance. And saints of God, as I said before, you can't have just the high church. You've got to have the services that change your life as we've been having. You've got to have the dedication, something down deep in your heart, reach down and change you and mold you and say, oh, this something's got to be different. The blood can wash away your sins. And faith in Jesus Christ can bring you the gift of the Holy Ghost. And faith in God will keep you. It'll heal you, preserve you, strengthen you. It'll hand you the promises of God. And just as Moses was faithful in his house, yet he did not see the promises of God. In Hebrews chapter 3, it makes that comparison. It says, Christ is greater than Moses. Moses, he delivered the law. But Christ, he covers the house. He's greater than anything that Moses could have ever done. Jesus Christ is the one we have to put our trust and our confidence in. And Moses and all of those that didn't believe didn't go into the promised land. It talks about it, I believe, in chapter 3, the very first part of it. it talks about the bodies laying in the wilderness, dropping dead. Saints of God, I'm not here to preach doom and gloom. I'm just here to tell you there's a future God has given for us. As pastor said this morning, a door's been open. We've heard the message. We've heard him talked about. We've heard it message is talking about the faith that God has given to this house and the things that God wants to do. I want to see it with my very own eyes. I don't want to dare walk out of those doors and never come back and think, well, it didn't happen here. I'm going to run down the street and go to this church. No, they don't have the promise that we have. This is worth waiting on. This is worth fighting for. This is worth digging out. This is worth being faithful for. And never having the faith to see God deliver the promises to our house. We can sit there and say, oh, well, Moses was a great man and, and all the things that he did. But you know what? I put my sights upon Jesus Christ because he's the one who gave me the promise. He's one that gives me the strength to reach down in my heart and say, God, you gave us a word and I want to receive it. We have to understand that salvation is more than just perfect church attendance. It's more than that. It's more than just being here. It's about reaching deep within your heart and saying, God, I want to mature in you. Just as we talked about knowledge and wisdom. We can talk about salvation and the faith that God can do things, anything in your life. I believe God has ordained each and every one of our services, laying a foundation, showing us the path forward. God has laid things out in front of us saying, listen, if we'll just obey, if we'll just let some things be brought back up in our life, if we'll lean just on His arms and nothing of our own, 
There's a future out there that we can look at and say, God, I believe you. I stand with confidence in you. I believe you can do all things, God. And just as pastor says this morning, faith that can move mountains. As the word said, we can speak to the mountains and be plucked up and cast into the sea. No matter what it is, God has a plan for each and every one of your lives. Don't get focused on the canvas that you started out life with. But let God begin to reach down into your life, saying to God, don't pick up that old picture and say, well, this is what I used to be. Don't take too much pride in your testimony and say, well, I used to do this and brag about that more than what God has done for you. Let Reach down into your life and say, I was once a filthy, dirty, rotten sinner, as such was I. But God reached down into my life. He gave me new meaning and new purpose in my life. And now I can stay here with a testimony that declares his goodness his greatness his grace his mercy can we lift our hands and talk to him tonight i love you master hallelujah can we talk to him for just a moment i worship you god i worship you god hallelujah hallelujah i worship you master Hallelujah, hallelujah, I worship you, God. I thank you, Master, for the masterpiece that you're creating in my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we talk to him for a moment more? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, God. I worship you, God. I magnify you, God. I magnify you. Glorious and great is your name, God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, God, for all you've done for me. Hallelujah. Saint of God, you have to have your own story. You have to have your own testimony. You have to be able to tell others about what God has done in your life. And not focus about what everybody else is standing up and saying, look what God has done. you got to have the power of God in your life where you say, listen, I'll pray for you. Because I know from experience it will happen. We can't just lean only on the book of miracles. We have to write our own in there as pastor said this morning. We have to be able to encourage ourselves as David saying, God can supply all your need according to his riches. And when I lean on him, I'm leaning on his riches. When I trust in him, I'm trusting in his riches. When I give God all that I have, I'm getting back his understanding in my life. He's depositing his greatness. We have to trust in him, saints. We have to have the faith to trust in him. Can we lift our hands one more time and ask God to touch our hearts and our minds today. We love you, Jesus.